Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Six weeks. That's the length of time that we have wrestled and marinated in the impact of Darwin's theory of evolution on today's 21st century Christianity. A blip, really, in the big scheme of things, right? So as Pastor Tony wraps up our evolving sermon series today, we want to reflect on the scripture passage from the Old Testament. And we ask, can the same God of the Old Testament survive the 21st century? Will your concept of God remain the same, or can it shift and evolve to accommodate for our century's new ideas and understandings. It comes from Exodus 3, 13 to 15. Moses said to God, when I go to the Israelites, I will say to them, the God of your ancestors sent me to you. What if the people say, what is his name? What should I tell them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, this is what you should tell the people. The Lord is the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He sent me to you. This will always be my name, by which people from now on will know me. Charles Darwin, a man of courage. I think initially he was a man of curiosity, willing to allow his mind to take him wherever the evidence was pointing him in that direction. But once he became certain of his theory, he became a man of courage. As we shared last week, Darwin himself really struggled with how to bring together this theory of evolution and the idea of God. How do you bring those two together? He understood that that would have repercussions in people's lives that people themselves would have to decide how would they deal with evolution and this idea, the traditional idea of God as creator. As we've explored over the last six weeks, we have realized that there's really three options that individuals have when it comes to bringing evolution and God together. The first one, is quite frequently chosen by many Christians, and that is a rejection of evolution altogether. And it is by rejecting evolution that individuals are free then to maintain a traditional idea of God as creator. 
And there's a degree of security that comes from that because it doesn't impact how you look at the Bible. It doesn't impact how you read the Bible. It allows you to stay with a God that you are comfortable with. There are those individuals, however, who choose instead to reject God. They embrace evolution and they reject God. They see the suffering that is in our world and they look at and believe and ask themselves, if this is an all-powerful God, if this is an all-knowing God, and if this is a loving God, how in the world do we explain the suffering that we see and why it is allowed to continue and perpetuate and go forward again and again and again from one generation to the next? Now, there's some individuals who don't believe there is enough evidence about God to either confirm or deny atheism or theism. So those first two options, they just don't fit for them. So they have that third option. And that third option is an attempt to blend evolution and God together. And they do this in primarily three different ways. Number one, they believe that it is God who is a part of the process of evolution. That God is active, was actively engaged in how evolution took place. They often look at evolution and they believe that there are gaps. Gaps between species. And that is where they see God intervening. There are other individuals who aren't comfortable with God being that involved in evolution. So instead, they see God as one who chooses evolution, the natural selection, as the agent by which God forms the universe and the earth. So God does and puts out this natural law, and then God sits back and goes, let's see what happens. And God is detached. God does not intervene. Now, if you don't like those first two views, you can have a third choice. And the third choice is you take God and you no longer see God in anthropomorphic terms. What does that mean? Human beings, as we evolved... We had only one way to experience things that we did not know, and that was from ourselves. And so we begin to describe objects and other beings, other animals, in human terms. My wife has a pet sitting, actually it's more of a walking of animals that she does. And I, there's one thing she does in her business, which is very successful, but I personally don't understand it. She refers to the owners of these animals as the parents, mom and dad. I don't understand that, but the owners like it. 
But there's a perfect example of how we use human terms to apply to objects that are not another human being. And so it becomes very easy to do that with God. We refer to God as our Father. God has emotions. So we say that God feels our pain. God is with you. God can be loving. Think about that. The first person who decided, let's say God is love. Using a human emotion and attaching that to God. Well, this third choice says that doesn't work anymore given evolution. So instead, we are going to refer to God in non-anthropomorphic terms. So instead, they call God, you ready for this one? The ground of all being. It sounds pretty fuzzy to me. How do you explain that to someone? I've read Paul Tillich, and he, he does a marvelous job. And I, when I closed his book, I realized either I'm really stupid or I got to read this book again because it just, I couldn't connect with it. So instead, some people call God as energy. Other people refer to God as first cause. But they, what they're trying to do is refer to God as a non-human entity. And that allows them then to be comfortable with this idea of God and evolution being blended together. But what if that doesn't work for you? What if none of those three options work for you? What are you left with? I would offer you another option for your consideration. And that is that we see God in the terms of fluidity. That God is fluid. God is changing. God evolves. Not literally, but within us. Let me see if I can explain that to you. You did not choose your view of God. Now, at first, you may bristle and say, no, 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 I did, I did. No, hear me out. You did not choose your view of God. You acquired it. You acquired it by external evidence. Your view of God may be a lot like acquiring a cold. You don't go outside and choose to get a cold. It just happens to you. You are exposed to that. And so for us, our view of God is one that we have acquired over time with the evidence that is out there. As a child, if you grew up in a home that believed in God, your first foundational evidence for God was from your parents. If you attended church, then it was complemented by Sunday school. If you went to church as you got older, it was complemented by sermons and music and art that you saw around Christianity. 
It's around books. It's around literature. And today, it's on the internet. It's on social media. It's interaction with other people. These are all ways in which we are exposed to evidence of God. And just like the common cold comes into us, all of this evidence is brought into us, and from that, we naturally formulate this idea of God. That's why each and every one of us can have a little different perspective on God, even if we see the same evidence. Because how you see the evidence is impacted by how you interpret it. But here's where it gets exciting. If our view of God is based on evidence, then our view of God can change and improve over time. Our view of God does not have to remain static. The reality is our view of life, our beliefs, and especially when it comes to God, is not stable. Listen to what one author says. We often float back and forth between belief and disbelief. Sometimes we act on a set of beliefs, other times on another set of beliefs. The fluidity of our beliefs originates partly from the subtle nature of evidence. Evidence is not as stable a category as is often assumed. Sometimes we just forget the evidence we initially had for a belief, making the belief vulnerable. Sometimes we reinterpret the evidence. That is, we make new connections which change the evidential weight of the evidence in regard to certain beliefs. We're always being exposed to different factors in our lives, and those influence how we see God. And to me, when you read the Gospels, this is one of the most perfect examples of how an individual took the idea of God that he had acquired and continually allowed himself to be exposed to more evidence and has shifted his views of God. And that's Jesus. As you look at the Gospels, you see how Jesus and how he understands God has parallels with some Old Testament ideas, but he also has brand new ideas that actually get him into a lot of trouble. But he was willing to be open to the evidence. He understood how he, as a human being, was responding to all of these factors around him. So instead of just having this one view that he was clinging on to, he allowed himself to be open and fluid in his idea of who God was. Now up to this point, I have been talking about just the intellect. 
But when it comes to God, I believe we also have to be fluid when it comes to our emotional response to God. I grew up in a very fundamentalist background. I was taught there was only one way to see God. I walked away from that idea of God before I left that denomination. And I actually probably swung really hard another direction. I've always told people I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, but I sure was on the line border of it. I had a family member who ended up in the hospital for an extended period of time. As I sat there with them in the hospital, there was a part of me that emotionally wanted to pray for them. I needed that emotionally. I needed a feeling of certainty in the midst of the chaos that was in front of me. And I did not allow myself to pray. Why? Because I had zeroed in on one particular idea of God, and I was going to stay with it no matter what. Today, I understand that we are emotional beings, and our emotions change. And as our emotions change, perhaps we should allow ourselves to be more fluid in how we experience God. So if you're typically not a theist, if you don't believe that God intervenes in our world, but there comes a point in your life where you feel like there's nothing within your control and you need something to emotionally still yourself, pray. Have you ever been out in nature and in those really neat moments, you've experienced this sense of awe. And you can experience something divine. And it's almost as if this divine entity, whatever it is, is in everything. So at that moment, allow yourself to be a pantheist. It doesn't mean you intellectually have to believe that, but in that very moment, if the emotions evoke that in you, let it be present. And if there are moments when you're watching news or watching someone die of a tragic death, and you see the suffering that is before your eyes, and you ask yourself, where is this loving, all-powerful God now? Then if your emotions demand it, allow yourself to feel agnosticism, perhaps even atheism. Why? because we are emotional beings and we need to respond to those emotions. And if you allow God to be fluid, 
then you will find that freedom. For hundreds of years, the church has been rigorous in saying this is the orthodox view of God. We have not been tolerant of other ideas of God. And because of that, Christianity is struggling in a Western world that has skepticism, that has science, that has new technology, that is continuing to call into question that view of God. Listen to how one writer describes this. It's amazing to me. He says the following, Even today, thousands of practicing Christians suffer silently during worship services, afraid to ask the tough questions that they feel could lead them down a slippery slope to damnation. Some will stay and endure that fear. Many do not. Another writer says the following, any religion that refuses to embrace scientific or technological discovery is unlikely to survive in the 22nd century. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll confess openly to you and all of those who are watching us online, I don't want Christianity to die because I have witnessed how the teachings of Jesus even the simple ones that say, if someone does something against you, don't retaliate. They hit you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. I've witnessed how taking that principle and living it out in my life enhances the quality of my life. And I want my grandkids to have that quality of life. And I want their kids to have it. I want Christianity to survive beyond the 22nd century. The challenge with churches today, the challenges we have is in Protestant mainline Christianity, we are aging out. And as you get older, it's easy just to sit back and become comfortable. I spent my time, I volunteered, I've done all this for the church. Now it's time for other people to step up. Why? You're the ones that know this church. And I'm not just talking about Beatitudes, I'm talking about all mainline Protestant churches. You have a legacy to leave. so that the next generation can build upon a way of living that you have benefited from. And that demands 
that we be honest with science and in particular evolution and how it impacts our view of God. And so that's why I offer you this consideration of seeing God as more fluid, not pigeonholing yourself into just one way. Maybe we need to learn the lesson of humility of the individuals who started to tell the story of Moses and the burning bush. Can you imagine them as the story was passed on from one generation to the next? As they told the story of Moses and the burning bush. And I imagine the details changed over time. But in my mind, I have no proof of this, but in my mind, I, I think there may have been one thing that was constant. And that was, is when they came to that point in the story where Moses asks the burning bush, who are you? Who do I tell people who you are? And it was with humility that the person who was telling the story said those words once again, attributing to God the words, I am who I am. Maybe that's it. God is God. We don't have to figure it out. We just let it be and be what we need it to be at different times in our lives. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society.